Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, August 14th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good, thank you, Graham. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Highgate Springs, Vermont, which is almost on the Canadian border, getting a little R&R, uh, but you know, I'm devoted to the podcast, so I figured I would duck out, and uh, no, no matter what kind of quality of internet connection I've got, we'll try and <laughs> get this episode in the books, um, but yeah, it's been nice to get some, a little bit of vacation time and stuff. And does your family appreciate you ducking out to do the podcast? <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're used to it, I guess. It's been many years since we've, you know, started this thing. And, you know, we, you and I have never, never missed a week. So here we go. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, over, let's see, in terms of news, I know it's been pretty quiet on the wires. Anything that you wanted to kind of share? I mean, I, I guess there are a lot of deadlines coming up for round one, too. Yeah, deadlines are coming up for round one. Obviously, the beginning of September, some of the big hitters really lead us off with those round one deadlines. Um, and, you know, students are now showing up on campus. Um, I think Wharton this week um, started its preterm. Right. Um, last week, I should say. And others would be doing the same starting their preterm. So, um, so, so you know, if, if you're still on a summer wait list, um, it's likely that that wait will end over the next week or so, I would think. Yeah, good point. Um, other than that, uh, I just wanted to make another plug. I feel like we've been saying this week in and week out, but if you're not registered at clearadmit.com, you're missing out um, on an opportunity to get a lot of free, amazing admissions advice. So just register on our site. It's free. You know, you get access to the Admissions Academy, which, Alex, are the videos you and I recorded. There's, I guess, a few hours of, of video yeah. content really tackling every aspect of the MBA application process. And, and we have yeah, a lot of I other mean, I, free I, things. I'll tell you, Graham, I watched the videos in order like, <laughs> the other, about, about a week ago. And yeah. It, took me all, it did take me all day to get through. But, you know, they, I'll admit, they were recorded last season. So, so there's a little bit, you, you might think, well, is this, is this content current and so on right. and so forth. Um, but what we do with the videos is we have a lesson notes section. Um, which is text um, that, that are associated with each of the videos. And we use that to make sure that we cover the topic thoroughly right. as well as keep the topic up to date. So we've yeah. just made the edits to those lesson notes sections to talk a little bit about the Supreme Court decisions, talk a little bit about the new GMAT, new GRE, and so on and so forth. I'm a huge believer that that video series um, is 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 gold for for those that are you know targeting top tier business schools this season. Right. Plus, people get to see what we look like. You know. Oh and, boy. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the highlight. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, in any event, yeah. So sign up on our site again. It's free, and you can tap into all those videos as you're working on your applications. Uh, we have a bunch of events coming up, Alex. Um, I'll be brief, but we have a, a special webinar we're going to do with uh, Carnegie Mellon Tepper on Tuesday, August 22nd at noon Eastern. We're actually going to sit down with Douglas Alford, who's the director of Masters Admissions there, and you can sign up for that by going to bit.ly forward slash Tepper MBA webinar, all one word, all lowercase. Um, we also have a special Real Humans event coming up where we're going to do a kind of ask me anything with a bunch of students and alumni from top MBA programs. And that's on August 30th. 
Um, and you can get details on our website. But again, sign up at bit.ly forward slash RH webinar and then the number five um, if you want to do that because that's the fifth uh, Real Humans event that we're, we've done. And then I'll just make a brief plug. We're going to do in September three consecutive Wednesdays um, some events uh, that are basically kind of the second wave of essay topic analyses type events where we sit down with schools and quiz them on the essay questions they ask, why they ask them, et cetera. So this is kind of um, you know part two of that series we did in July that we, we kind of recently wrapped up actually because it, it ran into August. Um, and we're going to, again, have a great list, uh, a guest list, including Wharton, Columbia, Yale, Duke, Dartmouth, Berkeley, et cetera. I think the list isn't even finalized, but that's those are some, some of the names that will be gracing the virtual stage with us in September. So I'm looking forward to that. And not forgetting, we'll have a Clear Mint Plus webinar for all registered users on August 28th. Yeah, and that'll be, again, kind of like office hours with Alex and, and, and myself, and we'll, we'll just um, answer your questions, go through you know some of the things we think you should be worried about or, or working on um, at this phase of the process, which will be kind of on the doorstep of a lot of these deadlines. So could be really useful if you want to get your questions answered. That'll be Monday, uh, August 28th, right, so at noon Eastern. So join us for that. Um, Alex, over on the website, things have been pretty busy. We actually had a flurry of admissions director Q and A's that we um, published, and you know they were the first one I'm going to feature here. Is we talked with Blair Mannix, who works at Wharton. She's one of my favorite people um, in this industry. Just such a great um, person. We've had her on some of our had her on the show. We've had her on some of our essay panel series and things. So um, a lot of fun. And I just wanted to read a quote that she shared about kind of how they read at Wharton. She said, the overall philosophy we have is one I call read to admit. When an application gets submitted, it is immediately read by two different application readers in a blind context. This means that both readers have no idea who the application belongs to and what the other reviewer thinks of its components. We think that blind reads are important to reduce the chance of bias. So Alex, I know that's not how we used to do it at Wharton. That's kind of a new twist um, that they've kind of had in place for a couple of years now there. But what's your take on that? I think it's quite interesting. Yeah, if they can do it, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Anything you can do to reduce any bias. Certainly when we were at Wharton, um, you know, if I was the first reader, I would know who the candidate is because I'd see all the data forms and so on and so forth, as well as right. obviously their essays, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I would then write up my review. If I was a second reader, I'd also be able to read the review written up by the first reader. Right. So quite frankly, I always preferred being the second reader <laughs> uh, in yeah. that process. Good um, but, work. But that, yeah, nevertheless, yeah, if, if that's what they're doing, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, very cool. And then we also caught up with um, Jana, uh, or Jana, I actually haven't met her, so I'm probably mispronouncing her name, but I think it's Jana Kirstead, and she's the executive director of the MBA and doctoral programs at Harvard Business School. Um, so Lauren did an interview with her, um, again, posted on the website for everyone to read. But I thought it was interesting because we sort of asked her about, you know, um, the essay, because Harvard has that very open-ended essay question. And, you know, here's what she said. I mean, this is interesting to me. She said, the best place to start is just reminding you of the prompt for the essay. As we review your application, what more would you like us to know as we consider your candidacy for the HBS MBA program? Okay, so that's the essay question. And she says, focus on the words, what more? 
So what more would you like us to know, right? So she says, the most helpful essays build on the rest of the written application or share new information. The best advice we can give you for the essay portion is to give yourself some time and some space to really reflect. Make sure that the essay is about you. After you've written your essay, ask yourself, could this essay also describe someone else? If so, it probably isn't personal enough to add to your overall application, and you likely need to do some more introspection. Um, So I just thought that was kind of interesting. The other thing, just a tidbit from HBS, is they're still requiring a GMAT or a GRE for anyone that wants to apply to their program. Um, They will not accept the new GMAT focus uh, exam in in the regular kind of full-time MBA program admissions process this year. Although in the spring, they will accept GMAT focus for HBS 2 plus 2, which is their deferred enrollment program. So they're going to be shifting gears then. And I presume from that point on, they'll take both versions of the test. But just interesting stuff. So what, what do you make of her advice on the essay? I know you love this piece about introspection and, and, you know, kind of taking inventory type stuff. Yeah, because my advice was always look at the Stanford essay that you've written and see how you can um, boot, you know, slam it into her, like joking aside. But but I actually like that last bit that you mentioned, Graham. If, if it could be written for someone else, it's likely not personal enough. Yeah. That's a really interesting sort of additional insight, I think, that people should really take on board. And Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really like that. And just to, just to clarify, this Harvard's, use of of GMAT and GRE, they are the only top program not to have a round three. So the new GMAT focus will be more readily available for round three folks for other schools. So that's probably why Harvard was able to make that decision. Round one and round two stick to the traditional GMAT because the traditional GMAT will remain available until early um, early um, next year. So, exactly. So you'll always be able to take it in time for round two. I know right. all this, Graham, because I had to prepare for our Clear Admit Plus webinar last week. So. Yes, that's so right. So I want to I I deliver some of my um, wisdom <laughs> as, as, as regards to doing that. But but yeah, um, so, so it makes sense for Harvard to take that stand, and as well as their two plus two, which their deadline is obviously then later, more comparable to round three. Right. Folks will, 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 will be more, you know, taking that GMAT focus. Yeah. And just as another point to, to bring about, as we discussed before we came on our grade, we'll get someone from GMAT to talk on the podcast directly about this new test. Yeah, exactly. So going back to the Harvard essay, because I know it's something that's probably on some of our listeners' minds, I think, you know, whether you're reading like Wharton does in a kind of fully blind fashion and know nothing, or whether, you know, you're seeing the comments of a previous reviewer, one of the things I will say, as having read many MBA applications in my day too, is that you know, we're human and we don't like to be bored. And so that point that she's making about could this be written about somebody else is really great because I think what really stuck with me when I would read files is the little anecdotes and the pieces of the story that were obviously completely unique to that candidate. And, you know, when you're reading 15 apps in a row, which is often what happens, like it's that stuff that rises to the surface. Um, So definitely keep that in mind. Um, We also did have admissions director Q&As with Melissa over at Emory 
I love Melissa too. She used to be um, in the same role at Kellogg for many years and now has been at Emory for a handful of years as well. And she said on essays, she said, these stories vary greatly from person to person. So there's no magic formula, but being transparent, owning your story and being complete is important. Do not stop with telling us what you did. Tell us why it mattered and what you learned. Make sure you're answering the question that is asked and be succinct. So that was, again, another really good little tidbit of advice from her as people approach the Emory essays or really any MBA application essay, I think. Um, And then finally, we caught up with Chris Healy over at Manchester, and he actually gave a separate piece of advice. We didn't ask him about essays, or this isn't from the essay portion of the conversation that he had with Lauren, but this is more about the kind of YMBA stuff. And he said, think about timing. Just because you meet the minimum entry requirements of three years of professional experience, which is that that's the requirement at Manchester, he said, does not mean that now is the time for you to do an MBA. It's a common mistake that many candidates make in thinking that they need an MBA right now when arguably they would benefit from gaining a couple more years of professional experience. So that's kind of an interesting point of view from him. Yeah, I mean, why, why, why now is, is, is important no matter where you are on that spectrum of, of work experience. It just, I would argue that there's more emphasis on addressing that when you've only got one or two years of experience or when you've got eight or nine years of experience. Right, um, right. But, yeah. but it's always going to be important to justify. Yeah, definitely. So um, other than that, I don't have anything I thought we could get into our, our candidates for this week. I did want to remind people if you have a question or want to just reach out to Alex and I and say hello, you can write to us by just writing to info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps. Um, so Alex, are you ready to start talking about our candidates for this week? Let's kick on. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. So this candidate wants to start business school in the fall of 24. They're applying to Carnegie Mellon, Cornell, Duke, Michigan, and Darden. Um, This candidate's been working in the aerospace uh, and defense and military kind of domain. Uh, They'd love to get into consulting or tech after business school. And as a result, their list of target companies includes the likes of Bain, BCG, and McKinsey, as well as Apple, Google, HP, IBM, Microsoft, etc. They have a GRE score of 326. Their GPA is a 3.0, and they actually have nine years of experience, um, which I'll explain in a moment. They're located in Arizona. Um, and basically, they went to one of the um, military service academies where they did a bachelor of science in aeronautical engineering. Um, then they served seven years active duty Air Force. Four of those years were as an IT operations manager supporting an intelligence unit. And then three years were as a military liaison and project officer at a government agency um, conducting tasks and evaluation for IT systems. So that's kind of the military career. But then they now have two years of work at a major aerospace defense company as an IT engineer in a manufacturing facility. So they're thinking of you know making this transition and they feel like they could apply their military and engineering experience um, in like management consulting or maybe in a leadership development program at a big company. Um, They mentioned that they would love some insight on school selection. They feel like they have okay targets, which if you recall, Alex, it's kind of top 16 type targets, um, but they would love to hear our advice on any reaches or safeties. And they're also wondering if we have particular thoughts about military veterans who've already been out of the service for a bit. And finally, I'm going to just, and this must have been what landed them on the show, Alex. They said, 
Thanks for all you guys do. The podcast is an integral part of my Sunday meal prep routine. So that's kind of a new one. Someone's prepping their meal um, on Sundays and listening to the show. So um, (laughs) I'll stop there. What do you make of this candidacy, Alex? They waited six days to listen to the podcast. Doesn't it come out on a Monday? (laughs) It does come out Monday, but yeah, you know, I don't know. No, no, I'm kidding. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I think there's a lot to like here, and there are a few areas maybe we can discuss to potentially... Um, and, you know, focus on potential areas of, of, of development. Um, you know, they've got quite a, a long, um, long set of work experience, right? Nine years, so seven years in the military, and then two years as in, um, outside of the military. So yeah. that is a little bit more unusual for folks applying to top tier business schools that we generally do it directly after their military service. Right. Um, it's not. It's not. Um, unknown but but more unusual so so they're going to want to make sure that again they justify why now right so much back to our, our, yeah. our friend at manchester's sort of um, notion it doesn't matter who you are what you what what stage you are in your career you, you're always going to need to justify that um, and and i think there's very good reasons why they can justify it, having now left the military and spent a couple of years in the private sector starting to hone some of those skills and realizing where the gaps are, getting the MBA makes perfect sense, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, so I think, I think they can um, overcome that. We do, I think we see military candidates tend to have, uh, you know, I would say the median um, length of work experience for military candidates is probably longer than those that are not coming from, from that domain. Right. Um, so, so, so I think Adcom is sort of used to see, seeing a little bit of that. Um, so, so 326 on GRE, I think it's decent. That hits the median of the schools they're targeting, maybe even a little over the median. Yeah. The GPA would raise a little bit of a concern at 3.0. I'll ask you though, Graham, 3.0 in aeronautics engineering from the uh, military academy, I think it was. Is, is that what they said? Well, they did go um, to one there, of the service academies, yeah. Yeah, service academy, sorry. Um, is that a good GPA? What uh, is that going to present a problem? Well, I mean, I guess, um, so my understanding is that there is limited to no great inflation at the service academies. And this is an Air Force officer, so, um, and now I'm going to really put my ignorance on display. I, I don't exactly know where is the Air Force Academy. I can't remember where, you know, I know where West Point is. I know <laughs> right. in any event. Um, but I think... You know, it's um, it's it's not as bad as it sounds, but I do think it's low. Like I feel like you know, if if I were an admissions reader, I would want to see some evidence of kind of current, you know, skills in the classroom. And so, I I strongly would recommend that this person do business fundamentals or MBA math or one of these online courses that will help them get ready for business school, but also demonstrate like, hey, I'm aware that I've been out of the classroom for a long time. Um, I'm aware that the GPA is potentially a bit of a liability, um, and so I'm going to, you know, just shore it up. So that that would be my advice in this case. Colorado. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. <laughs> I Googled it whilst you were talking. <laughs> I figured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure a 3.0 is probably good, but it's, yeah. it's you know, it's probably like a 3.3 three or something. So still below average at, for a lot of these top schools, but it's, you know. Yeah, I would, I would just do something. My, my take is similar. I think there's no doubt this is a smart person. Obviously, engineering degree is, 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 is 
strong in of itself. And they listen to the show every week, so there's yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that too. <laughs> but I think if, if, if they're looking at any which way that they can sort of push up their opportunity, I think there are two ways that they can do this. Um, on the one hand, potentially taking MBA math just to um, overcome that potential for someone to query a 3.0. Right. Um, so, so I think that would be good. And then the other thing is, I, I would focus on that long-term goal and 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 really um, push um, the the idea that they have experience in the um, in in the defence industry or whatever it is, um, and, and so forth, and make that where they want to come back to. Um, right. So they've got two years at a major aerospace defence company. I mean, is that Boeing? Is that it could be whatever it is, yeah. and and their pushback on that is well, actually, there aren't too many of my peers that have MBA, so I'm going to look a little bit more broadly. And I'm like, well, actually, you can look more broadly. Obviously, don't like limit yourself only to that when you're at the MBA program and recruiting. Sure, but why not hang your hat on that as a long-term goal, um, as part of the admissions process, because. That's clearly where they have experience that they can make an impact and a difference and they can say, well, I, I've seen now where the MBA can really help me progress in this organization and become that leader that I aspire to become in the next 10 years yeah. and so on and so forth. I would really encourage them to target the aerospace and defense industry as a long-term Right. Um, thing maybe do consulting in the short term, which is very common for military candidates. Right, and I would say um, the likes of McKinsey and Bain and all these consulting firms, you know, they do a fair amount of work with these defense contractors. So I could see right. um, any number of firms, even some of the bigger consulting firms, you know, being interested in this person's background. So yeah, yeah I think as you say, hang your hat on it. It's something that's unique. It fits so perfectly with everything they've done to date. Yeah. And you know, if they decide they want to pivot into a different um, sector when they get to business school, so be it. But I feel like I would run with it for the purposes of applying to business school. Um, it's just a really palatable kind of story um, for the admissions team to you know to take on. So I yeah, that would be my advice. I think yeah, do business fundamentals, MBA math, one of those types of prep courses, and work on the goals. But otherwise, I don't honestly. I think their you know their target schools look fine. I mean, could they throw an M seven in? Why not? Um, that was my next question back to you, Graham. Yeah, they could be on the shooting. Right. I would throw at least one top school. Yeah. You know, obviously all these schools are top schools. That's kind of all that we yeah. really deal with at ClearAdmit. But I would throw at least one M7 into the mix, pick pick the one they like the yeah, best. I would throw two only because one is a bit risky. Yeah, I guess right? So yeah. get two out of that um, yeah. tier of, of, of Kellogg and Columbia and Sloan and, um, and Booth. Yeah, I think um, even Wharton, you know, th there's yeah. some schools that really value um, extensive work experience uh, yeah. and that are pretty military friendly. So, yeah, yeah. so I would I would look, um, okay, yeah, don't rule that out. I don't know that they need to dip lower um, in the pool. I feel like they're, you know, they have a yeah. nice list otherwise. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, if this was a 3.5 three, a three, GPA, um, Oh, it, yeah. You, you would be like, yeah, they, they should probably be looking at M7. I mean, and again, we're assuming this is strong military experience they, yeah. and, and their whole experience is backed up by great wrecks and so on and so forth. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I think even what they have with what they have now with MBA math and a really tight long-term goal that really um, exploits their, their, their current experience and so forth, I, I think they should at least take a 
to take a flyer at a couple of M7. Yeah, definitely agreed. So I want to thank them for their advice, for their post. Um, and the last thing I want to just underline with this candidate is the advice that we just gave um, about hanging your hat on something, you know, I think applies pretty universally to people, particularly with longer career trajectories, because it, yeah. it just, it's easier to kind of pitch something that will draw upon all that experience than it would be to be making a complete pivot. So yeah. keep that in mind as you're working at home on your essays and, and goals. Uh, but let's move on and, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second candidate this week that you've picked, Alex, also wants to start in the fall of 24. Um, this person's applying to Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Kellogg, Chicago, and Wharton. They have been working in, it looks like, real estate, um, and they want to get into consulting or maybe private equity or asset management. Um, so they have a bit of a, a, a wide range of options. They mentioned Bain, BCG, McKinsey, but also some of the big PE shops like, like Bain Capital, Blackstone, and BlackRock. Uh, their GPA is a 3.7. They have three and a half years of work experience to date. Um, and they have, let's see, they live in the United Kingdom and they want to land in the United States, hence their focus on U.S. schools. Um, they mentioned that it's really the short-term goal is MBB, where they'd want to do restructuring and consulting, and it's the long-term role um, that they want to get into maybe an operational role with, you know, like distressed um, portfolio companies, like you know, particularly in real estate, is that they have that kind of background. Um, they do mention that there's a kind of extra long-term goal, which would be to return to Wales, um, where they're from, and work on turning around legacy industries and distressed real estate. So that's kind of the career plan. Um, they do mention that you know they are 26 years old and male. Um, they are of Welsh and French descent. They are first generation in their family to go to university. Um, they also are a member of the LGBTQ plus uh, community. They have a um, bachelor's in business management where they had a second class honors, which roughly translates to a 3.7 when they put it into some online <laughs> translator, but we know a 2.1 is a decent um, result. They also have a master's in real estate um, where they earned distinction, um, so did very well in their master's in real estate. So they, um, again, three and a half years of work experience, they'll have four and a half by the time that they matriculate. They did give us a ton of information, Alex, that you went through um, on their extracurriculars and a whole bunch of specific questions about you know, their background and their goals and, and whether or not their schools are the right schools. And so I'm gonna let you walk us through some of these questions they had and, and just weigh in on their candidacy because there seems to be a lot going on here, but also, quite a few things to like. Yeah, yeah, lots to like. They, they, okay, they've got a 318 on the GRE. That's not what to like, but mm -hmm. they took it cold. So they, they need to obviously now prep for it. And I'm, with a 318 GRE that's caught, you know, taking it cold, I would imagine that we should see um, a score in the high 320s. I mean, yeah. they've got to prep hard and well. Never yeah. underestimate the rigor of preparation. Um, so prep really well. Your, your peers are doing the same thing um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and kick it out of the ballpark. Um, so, 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 so that would be good. Um, you know, again, let, let's assume that their academics is strong, um, their, their work experience to date um, is strong, and again, it needs to be backed up by um, strong recs and so on and so forth. Um, now, they, they talk about this, they're, they're 26 male, 
Welsh French. That is quite a, an odd combination, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I say that jokingly. I'm living in Cornwall, so so right. hopefully they they recognise this a little bit of a thing. But uh, Welsh French because they you know, the Welsh and the French have attacked us years on years or whatever. Right. <laughs> First generation LGBTQ plus, right? So so what they really need to focus on is their their lived experience. This is a term that I think we'll use more and more in MBA admissions. Right. It doesn't matter what your demographics are. Um, how has that shaped your trajectory, your opportunities? Mm-hmm. Um, what what um, what hurdles have you had to overcome to, to get to where you are today? Um, what what and, and so on and so forth. So I think that's going to be a focus. Or I know I'm I'm, I'm sure that trajectory is going to be a. a is a strong focus for MBA admissions committees this season and going forward as a as a result of that Supreme Court decision um, where, where they're not just able to use the, the data points themselves, right? So, you know, on, and obviously Supreme Court's more focused on underrepresented minorities in the US. Um, but I think the same applies for first gen, for LGBTQ+, communities and even for the Welsh right I'll leave it at that joking apart of course (laughs) Um, but this whole idea of lived experience so what are the challenges because if you are first generation um, you know what sort of guidance did you have going to college Um, what opportunities did you have did you have to work during during your undergrad so that took time away maybe from 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 your studies what 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 opportunities did you have coming out of, 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 of university at the time and how did you make the most of those as an LGBTQ plus um, um, person? What challenges um, did, did you face? Any discrimination and so on and so forth. All these sorts of things that help define who the candidate is and their lived experience that gets them to where they are today. My point is, we can't any longer just look at candidates and say, all right, they're, they're working in tech, they went to Ivy League school, and they did this. So therefore, they're better than um, um, the, the next person. We've got to also look at where did they start from mm-hmm. and, and how have they grown over time. Yeah. Um, anyway, I probably marbled that up a little bit, but I think it, <laughs> it, it, I think even as an international student, it's relevant. Yeah. No, I think um, so. For me, everything you said, I, I you know I agree with, and I think they're going to need to um, you know do do a great job assembling their story, as it were, um, and talking about those elements. Um, I do think that you know, as far as like why they want to do an MBA and their kind of career plan, it, it seems to make sense with me based on their past experiences in, in real estate and, and the work. So that's all fine. I do think um, they need to retake the GRE, um, as you said, and and they, if they got a cold 318, they should get a warm 328 or something if they practice yeah. for several weeks or even a month or so. And, and they don't need to be in the first round, I would argue, no. given that they're somewhat yeah. um, unique. So I would do that. Get a great um, GRE score. It may pay dividends in scholarship dollars and certainly will pay dividends in terms of where they get in. Because uh, I think right now, that GRE would be a little bit of a stretch for some of the top programs on their list. So yeah, they got to redo that. And then the the last thing I would say is, um, this is a good lesson for everyone. Don't convert 
your GPA. I do not know of a top MBA program that asks you to convert. In fact, many of them just say, give us whatever your school gave you, send your transcripts, you know, give us the number, we'll deal with that part. Because they don't really want um, to convert. And so, you know, I would just encourage this person reported as a second class honors, um, which is what they had in undergrad. And it sounds like they maybe were first class honors for their um, graduate degree, or, or I don't know if it works that way, but wh- yeah. whatever the case, um, don't, don't tinker because the school's really don't usually ask for that. Um, but otherwise, no, I, I think this person is, um, you know, could be really interesting. And I, I did yeah. want to say, they might be the first person who wrote, they, they said, I wanted to say, I love the new website. Um, so I, I, you know, I haven't heard many people comment on, that. and I guess for a lot of people, the site's not new because they're um, new themselves as they're going through the application process this season. And, and we flipped the switch in early July, I guess. So, um, but it was nice to hear that somebody likes yeah, the, yeah. New, no, brilliant. And <laughs> the new site. J- just a final thing. They talk about that extra long-term goal um, to return to Wales and work yeah. um, on, on distressed real estate and so on and so forth. Brilliant. Because... That's the sort of long-term goal that this person would be uniquely qualified for based off of all their profile and everything, as well as a long-term goal where this person would most likely be able to have the most impact. Right. No, I, I love it. I think, yeah. And uh, So yeah. it gets back to our previous candidate. Those long-term goals can be really important to help shape your overall narrative. So I, I really like this one here. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I think, you know, we touched on it, but the outside activities are good. I'm not not too worried about that stuff. So I think this person's in good shape. They just need to get the GRE done um, at a high, <laughs> higher higher score and then, you know, get their apps together for round two. And If, you know. if they went for one non-M7, that's the only thing. Everything's an M7 except Hass, right? Right. If, if they went for one other non-M7, what, what, what would you push them to, to look at? I mean, I would push them to look at a school that's strong in, in real estate and that has a you know yeah. good international reputation. So two that come to mind immediately are you know Stern and Cornell. Um, yeah. That, that's, yeah. So I would look at those two <laughs> as a starting point. Um, all right. I want to thank that person for their post and for the kind words about the new clearadmit.com. Uh, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So our final candidate this week, Alex, is applying to eight schools. They've got Berkeley, Duke, Harvard, Stanford, uh, UC Irvine, UCLA, USC Marshall, and UT Austin. They want to start in the fall of 24, just like our other two candidates this week. Um, now, this candidate um, is has been in the British military. Um, so they're a military officer in the medical services division. Uh, they're working in management, they say. Um, and they would love to get into the pharma industry after business school kind of fits with, you know, their medical kind of background in the military. Uh, they're looking at companies like Amgen, Johnson & Johnson, and Pfizer. Their GRE is a 320, and their GPA is a 3.3. They have eight years of work experience, so again, a little bit older. Uh, located in London and want to land on the West Coast, which is why I'm seeing all these, um, you know, West Coast schools on their list, like Berkeley, Stanford, and UCLA, USC, <laughs> UC Irvine. So that makes sense. Um, they note that they are a command and staff officer in the Army Medical Services. And they're looking to pivot into biotech in the U.S. And, you know, they want to land ideally on the West Coast, but would settle for Boston or Texas as they view all three of those areas as being key 
biotech hubs. Uh, they mentioned that their experience includes a lot of different deployments and a variety of roles, including a medical advisor to the UN in Somalia. Um, they've done training and advisory jobs globally, and now they're currently head of operations for a deployable field hospital. So pretty cool stuff. Um, their long-term goal, as we mentioned, is to get into a leadership position in a biotech firm. Um, they are particularly interested in projects in tech that benefit developing nations um, due to their experience overseas with that sort of thing. Um, they have some extracurriculars. Um, they're currently a triathlete um, and, it, you know, I guess they're, they represent Great Britain um, in that, in their age group. And they also do a lot of other things, into, including, um, sounds like ski racing. And so they mentioned they've taken the GRE twice and they did see significant improvement after retaking. But as I said earlier, right now they're sitting at a 320 to go with that 3.3 GPA. I do wonder if that 3.3 is translated, like maybe it's just a second class, or I, I don't know um, if they're translating that because they didn't say where they went to undergrad, I guess. So in any event, um, I want to stop there. Um, they did say they would appreciate advice, which we're about to give them. Um, and I know you gave them advice on the website, Alex, but they said they religiously listened to the pod. So there you go. Um, Alex, so what do you make of this? <laughs> Yeah, and again, I, I think this sounds like a really interesting person. So I'd like to have a bit, you know, someone in, in your class would be some, someone interesting to oh, hang yeah. out with, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, so their experience as a military officer just sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, so they say um, in the Ar Army Medical Services, um, and, and they include multiple deployments, variety of roles, advisor to the UN in Somalia, training. I mean, it just sounds like they've done some really fascinating stuff. Agreed. Um, yeah. And I like their goals. I, I like all this stuff. Um, I really want them to take the GRE again. Um, yeah. I just think 320 underserves them. Um, so they've taken the GRE twice and saw significant improvement from one to the other. So that says to me, maybe there's a little bit more improvement left. And just a few additional points would make a difference, I think. Um, I appreciate they're going to take um, MBA math, that very good, maybe and business fundamentals so, and, and so forth. They're, they're a little bit nervous about their GPA. I do think a stronger GRE score coming in in round two would be really super helpful um agreed and you know if they came back with a you know mid 320s or three you know 330 or whatever i'd be like yeah maybe they could aim well i can't say aim higher because they've got stanford and harvard on there but <laughs> those schools would be more accessible um yeah. they might also throw wharton in there um because wharton does have a west coast campus um and and, and so on and so forth um yeah. But I think there's a lot of good substance here, and and I just like to see another attempt at the GRE. And I wouldn't in, encourage them to think that they've got to definitely be in round one. Yeah, I agree with you. This is a they should apply in round two. They should retake the test. Um, they should add or at least consider adding Wharton and maybe even MIT to their list, given their target. Yeah. You know, regions of Boston and or West Coast. Um, I, yeah, I would look to, to aim high. I mean, I just feel like, again, we've talked about this before, but candidates from the UK or Europe in general are sought after um, in the MBA admissions process at these top programs. So I, I think, you know, if they could get that test score up a bit, they have fascinating work experience, very clear and, you know, feasible uh, career plans. And, and what sounds like a great, you know, list of outside activities, they're active. 
this is like an M7 candidate. It's just that the numbers aren't currently adding up. And I know there's nothing they right. can do about a 3.3, um, but they can improve that test score. And that might unlock, you know, the, the gates at some of these very top M7 um, programs. So I, yeah, I would encourage them to th think long and hard about, uh, you know, which schools. I mean, they could apply currently with their numbers as is to some of the schools that are maybe a bit lower ranked on their list um, if they wanted to in the first round. But I, you know, I think they wait for round two with a better score and, and go after some of the big guns. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, so um, I know we've uh, we've spent a lot of time <laughs> this week talking, but we had so much interesting stuff to cover with all these admissions director Q and A's over at Wharton and HBS, et cetera, and some great candidates. And I feel like there was a little bit of a theme around older candidates and the need to have, you know, kind of. Um, the sort of why now stuff down pat, um, as well as this notion of like, wow, your past experience, you know, can really come into play with your long-term goals. We saw that with all yeah. three candidates. So very interesting stuff. Um, as always, Alex, appreciate you doing this and adopting to my terrible internet connection here in the middle of nowhere, Vermont, near the Canadian <laughs> border. Um, but yeah, let's do it all again next week when I'll hopefully be on a fiber connection or something. <laughs> Doesn't Canada have the internet? I don't know. I, I kind of was wondering <laughs> as I arrived here and found that the connection was terrible. So, <laughs> very anyway, good, very all right, good. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Very good. Best of luck. Stay safe, everyone.